the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Yeah, welcome to our podcast. We're happy to be back with you. Um, you know, in this time where you haven't been traveling as much, I, I know you have occasionally time to just kind of relax a little bit, which I hope everyone has been having. That's been a, a good thing been, for mental, very, physical health. Very good. <laughs> I, I, you don't realize how much uh, airplane travel kind of, I don't know, what's the word, cuts away at your equilibrium, maybe, mm-hmm. until you, you get off a plane for a long time. So that's been great. Yeah. So one of the things I've observed is that sometimes you just kind of chill out with some YouTube videos that you enjoy. And I wonder if you would tell any of our listeners what kinds of things you check out sure, on YouTube. Sure, happy to. This is interesting to me that you say you've been observing this because I actually veg out on YouTube videos when I'm traveling quite a bit. <laughs> when I'm waiting in airports or when I'm sitting on the airplane or whatever. Sometimes I'll even sneak and not turn off my phone when they say you're supposed to turn off the phone. <laughs> Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, yes, I have been very interested lately, and I've told you a little bit about this guy. You've seen me watching him. Uh, a guy named, he calls himself the Professor of Rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is not like mineral rocks, but rock music. And he's a little younger than I. I was born in the late 60s, and he was born, I think, in the, in the mid-70s. Um, but, you know, pretty much the same era. And this guy loves, check him out, go to YouTube. If you, like me, grew up on music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and love that stuff, um, you'll love this professor of rock. He is just unabashed in his celebration of music and what it has meant to him. Mm -hmm. And he knows everything about these artists, and he's interviewed tons of these artists, he's interviewed even some of my favorites that might not be as well known to the rest of the world, like the lead singer from The Alarm, Mm -hmm. which was a huge band for me when I was a teenager. Uh, So yeah, one of the things I've taken away is like he's giving me permission to love music as much as I do. Like I love music and anybody who knows my work and my teaching knows that I'm quoting lyrics from songs quite often and maybe even breaking into song myself as I'm wont to do. But um, there's a little, (laughs) there's a little embarrassment I have about it sometimes Mm -hmm. that I get so much out of this music because not everybody does, but this guy. (laughs) He gets even more. He gets even more. (laughs) How about it? He's given me permission to, to just enjoy this music and let it mean what it has meant to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells this one story of a Neil Diamond song from the the eighties uh, that I secretly loved, and I say secretly because was it not cool? <laughs> it was not a cool song. I mean, <laughs> in terms of the kids that I hung out with, right. if I was singing along to uh, "She's Coming to America Today," um, that would not have been like deemed very cool. Okay. So I, I secretly liked this song, and I, I secretly liked especially the part where uh, he starts, I don't know what he's quoting. My country tis of oh, thee. Yeah, my country tis of thee, yeah. sweet land of liberty. Yeah. 
And I used to pause at that part of the song like, oh, this is the cool part. <laughs> of course, my friends didn't think it was cool or whatever, but I thought it was cool. And I it like moved me. There's something about it that was moving me. It was kind of patriotic or something. And anyway, the professor of rocks talking about this song. And uh, maybe we'll provide a link to this particular video in the show notes if you're curious uh, his little review of Neil Diamond, but he says, he says, I can't, I can't listen to this without tearing up. It's so emotional to me. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe uh, 40 years later, I can give myself permission oh, to, uh, yes. to like it as much as I actually like oh, it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm thankful for that, yeah. for you and for others who get to benefit from him sharing his gifts. Give yourself permission. This is what I want to say to all the listeners. Give yourself permission to love the music you love. to And in here, you know, I, I always need to add this qualifier that we all know that lots of popular music out there is is dark, and I'm not here to endorse all that. But um, even that can be redeemed. Remember, there's something good that's getting twisted up, mm-hmm. and, and we don't have to throw everything away. We need to be discerning, but we can also redeem the lyrics in our own minds and hearts, and I, I do that quite often myself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I want to give everybody permission to let the art that speaks to your heart, let it speak to your heart. There's a reason it speaks to your heart. Mm-hmm. And even if there's something dark about it, that also can be a revelation. You might say, okay, Lord, what was I really attracted to? What is the good in this song that maybe is twisted up? What's the good in there that I was really attracted to? Untwist it for me so I can see that real good. Mm-hmm. I think the professor of rock does a good job helping us see that. Anyway. Oh, that's great. That's all I have to say about that for now. Shall I share a question from a listener? Sure, let's do it. This is an anonymous question. I learned a few months ago that my younger sister has contemplated suicide. Mm, mercy. Today, I accidentally found a letter she wrote to our mom saying she believes she is pansexual. Mm. I feel like she's confusing the friendship love she has for her best friend, who's a girl, with romantic love. In her letter, she used phrases like, it's not the gender sex that makes me attracted to someone, but who they are as a person. And other phrases that sound like things I've heard or seen on the internet. I feel like she's choosing to put this label on herself because it is what she's being told to label herself as. She's only 14. I'm scared for her and don't know how to help her through this. Bless you, dear listener. Bless your sister who's going through this very difficult time. I, I think you are correct that she's being fed this vocabulary, this way of understanding from the secular culture. And one of the most... Uh, alarming things in what she said was it's not the sex or gender that I'm attracted to it's the person mm-hmm. so right there in that statement we see this rupture between the person and the body yeah and I, I I'm speaking about this more and more and more I mean I've always been speaking about it because it's it's the modern error is this rupture this split between the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul. And it's very, very, very dangerous. Indeed, it is death dealing. In fact, it's death itself, because that's what death is. It's the separation of the body and the soul. A culture of death is a culture that separates the body and the soul. The movement of the Holy Spirit is 
always in the direction of incarnation. The word was made flesh. How will this happen, Mary says? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. See, we, we hear spirit and we think of something opposed to the physical. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is not opposed to the physical. The Holy Spirit is the actor in the incarnation. The Holy Spirit wants the Spirit to take flesh. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit in creation. Always, even from the beginning, we have that image of the Spirit hovering over the waters in creation. That Spirit is hovering over the waters, you might say, in preparation for the incarnation. This is the mission of the Holy Spirit in the created order, is always to give flesh to the Word to the second person of the Trinity. I I could say so much more about that, but but I'm saying that because, as Scripture says, the way you recognize the unholy spirits, those are the ones who deny Christ come in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is about incarnation. The unholy spirits are about excarnation. Now, why are we attracted to this? Why can we be so easily swept along with that tidal wave of excarnation, rupture from the body, going on in the modern world today. And, and the, the bottom line here is we're in pain. We are in a hell of a lot of pain that registers and is lodged in and is blamed on the body and experienced in the body. And this comes from what I would call is the, the first act of the sexual revolution. The first act of the sexual revolution is to idolize the body. To, to say the body and sexual experience contains everything you want. Of course, we eventually come to despise whatever we idolize because our idols can never provide us what we wanted them to provide us. And so here we are, 50-plus uh, years into the sexual revolution that began by idolizing the body, and it's ending with Act 2 here by despising the body. And... When we are in pain bodily, when the culture holds out this idol of the body and says, if you don't look like this, then you're not lovable. And I don't look like that. So then I come to hate my body because everything in me wants to be lovable. But the culture's telling me if I don't have a body like X, Y, and Z, I'm not lovable. So then I hate my body. So God bless your sister who is seeking salvation from her pain in escaping from the flesh. Whereas the Christian vision, the invitation is salvation of the flesh. The pain that your sister is in is the pain that Jesus bore in his flesh. And he came out the other side a resurrected man. New flesh, redeemed flesh, resurrected flesh. This is the promise of our faith. Life according to the Spirit is at one and the same time the redemption of the body in the teaching of Scripture. So, Wendy, I know your gift in all of these things, which I so, so admire and I know our listeners need, is to take my theological answer and my theological reflections and apply them to Mm -hmm. the heart. It's not my first time saying it, but I always like that when you hear a question, you, you're able to kind of um, find the essential truth that's being, that's needed, you know, and I think what you're communicating there is the essential truth 
of the whole person body, body and soul, soul in union in union right it is not it's not one or the other um so you know i think when you have can, a oh, can i just say something yes. just like struck me like i just felt the the rupture if i i just tried to i just tried to put on those glasses where i would say i would look at you as my wife and say it's not your womanhood that attracts me it's just you mm -hmm. rupture you you are your woman you are a woman you, right. you're not anything other than a woman that's this is our identity to rupture identity from the body is to is to invite death um but I just wanted to say that because I just yes. felt the, yeah. the pain of that, and to make our home there is a is a is a scary thing. One of the things that's tricky is that there can be a good that someone is trying to get at here. That the words they're using, they don't see the inconsistency of it. But the good might be, for example, to say, "I don't love you for your body," in the sense of it's closeness to an ideal i love you right, for who right. you are right. and there there could be something beautiful being communicated in the sense of not comparing your physical reality to other people's and saying well yes yes and i honestly i hear that in songs sometimes and it it troubles me i don't know if you've heard phrases like oh, my jaw drops when I see you undress or something like, you're so like the, the ideal, ideal that that's why I love you, right, you know? Right. And that's, I think that Which leads wrongness. to the body hatred that I was talking yeah, about. The yeah. loathing of our bodies because of this impossible uh, idol, idolizing of the body, right. this impossible right. standard. So there is this reaction to say, well, but I love who you are, not that you measure up to this certain ideal and that's not what I'm about. And so it can seem, you know, like I'm a deeper person. I'm a more honest person. I'm a more trustworthy person because I'm not looking at just compare, comparing different bodies to one another. And yet the, the great danger that is being now we're living, the effects of this danger is that we don't value the body at all or see that the person you are is beautifully expressed in your body, in your body right? and it can't you can't experience the person without a body They're, that's they aren't separable and, and all that that you're getting at so i think you know it's good to kind of notice what is good because if you only notice if you only point out what's a mistake then there can be a, a just a, a division in the in the conversation where right. the good that's being expressed is totally, you know, missed. And then we aren't listening to one yeah, another. So, and just as a rule of thumb, this is always the best approach to evangelization is look for the element of truth right. and affirm it. Yeah. And then build on that. So yeah. with that in mind, the question being, how can this person reach out to this sibling, affirm what is right just as you're saying, Wendy, but then demonstrate we don't want to go from one error, which is this idolizing of the body, to the other error, which is the despising of the body. Mm -hmm. We need to find that place of, of integration. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We can't find that on our own. We, if left to ourselves, we are inevitably, individually and as a culture, just going to flip-flop 
from one extreme to the other, from idolizing the body to despising the body. We're just going to go back and forth like a ping pong because we can't save ourselves. We can't integrate ourselves. We need a savior. That's the bottom line here. We need a savior. And we're turning to science and technology to save us uh, here. And and what, what we're really doing is we're destroying ourselves even more by removing healthy body parts and injecting bodies with hormones that are terribly destructive. Um, Science, when it is put at the service of what and who we really are as human beings, is a beautiful gift Mm -hmm. from God. When science is used to destroy, to cause harm, to, to malign, to rob us of our our true physicality, uh, our true identity as God created it to be. We're doing damage to ourselves. So one of the things that just encourages that to ask the Lord to show you the ways you can treat your sister according to her dignity, to help her to know you love her and that you're not seeing her as um, only these things that are kind of in, maybe in the forefront of her mind right now, but your history of your relationship and your family and your appreciation of her gifts and unique personhood, that that is a, a solid, reliable reality in her life that's not going away, you know, that she's seen and loved and known by her family members is so important. And obviously, prayer, and she doesn't need to know, (laughs) you know, prayer is the incredibly powerful, um, hidden, you know, uh, force in expressing our love and, and in accomplishing something that is beyond our power to figure out on our own how to accomplish it. And then I would just encourage too that if, as you're able to research help that she may need, someone who's contemplated suicide obviously is in, you know, a lot of distress in a dangerous place. And so, you know, professional help, if that's, um, you know, a reality in, in her process and in your parents' lives, however this is coming about, I just encourage you to look for those who are working from a place of faith that are able to, as you said, we need a savior. We don't just need, you know, we need the gifts of psychology and mental health, but we need Jesus. And those who, you know, emerge and are fully alive are those who've encountered Christ in these low places in their lives and not been rejected by the people around them, but have been helped and um, just encouraged on their journey to find the truth that sets us free. Jesus, we ask you, please, through the power of your incarnate life, We ask you, please, to intervene in this troubled Mm -hmm. young person's heart and mind and soul and body to bring about the mystery and the glory of salvation of the flesh, not salvation from the flesh, redemption of the body, not redemption from the body. You know her pain, Lord. You know her questions. You know her great agony that has even caused her to consider taking her own life. Please, Lord, you came into the world in the flesh so that we might have life and have it to the full. You came into this world to undo the lies of the enemy. Please, we ask, 
for her salvation. Mm -hmm. We ask for that restoration in her. And trust this prayer to the womb of the Blessed Virgin, where the incarnation, the incarnation that saves us, where that took place. Amen. Amen. Uh, another anonymous question. Thank you so much for entering into the pain of the human heart with everyone who God places before you on the podcast. I've been loving your podcasts because they've been teaching me just how much my creator loves me. It's also inspiring how receptive you are to each other's love. And now the topic at hand. I used to have scruples, and I thought that thinking about sexuality was wrong. But more recently, I've been wondering if maybe there is a time to marvel at the beauty of a person's sexuality. So my question is, is it always wrong to think about a person's sexuality? How do I marvel at the body's beauty? Great question. When I was first really diving into John Paul II's Theology of the Body, you and I were friends at the time. Uh, you were still in college and I had graduated, but we hung out with the same friends and you know this person who shall remain nameless, but I was bubbling over with enthusiasm, as you'll recall, mm -hmm. about God's plan for man and woman, about God designing us as sexual beings, about the great mystery of the two becoming one flesh, as St. Paul talks about. And this, I couldn't say enough about it. I'm just blah, 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 blah. It's always what was on my mind and heart, and I'm talking about it with all our friends. And That's right. One of these friends of ours pulled me aside one time and said, why are you talking about sex all the time? It's so dangerous. You're, it's going to take you away from Jesus. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, take me away from Jesus? This is bringing me more closely into the heart and mystery of who Jesus is than anything ever had in my my life. And, and listen to this. Listen to what St. Paul says. The union of man and woman in one flesh is a great mystery, and it's all about Jesus. That's what St. Paul says. <laughs> and then somebody says, and that's what I'm entering into. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm experiencing. And then this other person is saying, that's going to lead you away from Jesus. I, it was so incongruent to my experience. But I understand where he's coming from, just as I understand where this person's coming from, because the mockery, the distortion, the perversion of human sexuality does indeed take us away from Jesus. Where we get it wrong is to think that that perversion and that mockery and that distortion is all there is. Mm -hmm. And so in response to this question, I, I'm thinking of, I, I can't quote chapter and verse because I'm Catholic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's in the New Testament somewhere Okay, in one of Paul's letters where he says, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is good, whatever is pure, mm -hmm. think about these things. Mm -hmm. So don't think about sexuality as the culture has presented to us as something base and pornographic as an indulgence for selfish desires. But do, by all means, learn to enter in to the holiness, the sacredness, the goodness, the beauty of God's plan for making us male and female. Uh, that's the journey right there. So there's a holy, beautiful way to do that. Uh, there's a, a distorted way to think about our sexuality. And we have to go on a long, difficult, often painful journey from one to the other. And 
there will be missteps along the way. There will be, I've had plenty of my own, as you know well, Wendy, um, and I know well, and my spiritual director knows well, um, but it is better to get out of the boat and sink than never to get out of the boat. So I want to invite this person uh, out of the boat. If you hear the voice of Jesus saying, come, it is I, Keep your eyes on him and get out of the boat. And if you sink, Mm -hmm. cry out. Cry out. He's not going to scold you for getting out of the boat. Mm -hmm. He's going to invite you back to faith. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my initial thoughts. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that is really helpful is to recognize that when we say sexuality, we mean masculinity and femininity. We mean our creation as male and female. Yes, so... You know, sometimes those words can be sort of used different ways. And, you know, how do I marvel at the body if I don't think about sexuality? Sometimes we may assume this means one thing and other people might assume it means another thing. So certainly, uh, you know, in our hearts is a recognition of the beauty of, you know, God's eternal beauty expressed in his creation of people as male and female. Um, masculine and feminine attributes of the body and of the heart of the person and even a a correspondence of that in terms of because the body expresses the person how is that not going to happen that the body is expressing a feminine person and we we can recognize that you know if if a body's expressing a feminine person that there are other aspects of the person that correspond to feminine body or masculine body and and to recognize that and see the beauty of the complementarity that they're not the same and that they need one another that they benefit from one another all of those things are give us sort of joy and peace and closeness to our creator and so i think you know that's some just some of what we're getting at when we are encouraging you to marvel at God's creation. Yeah, there. Here we have to distinguish between what we could call Puritanism on the one hand and Christian purity mm-hmm. on the other. I know we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it mm-hmm. bears repeating. Puritanism, I think, is what this questioner has mm-hmm. suffered from. That scrupulous, fearful kind of uh, eschewing of the body in the name of a disincarnate holiness. Um, This is not our faith. This is not our faith. Christian purity. Christ says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. This is what we mean when we say theology of the body, that the body is a sign, an icon of God's own mystery of life-giving love. This doesn't mean God is sexual. God is not sexual, but our sexuality is an echo in the created order of that eternal exchange of life-giving love found in the Trinity. Blessed are the pure of heart, for that's what they'll see when they ponder the beauty, the glory, the mystery of human sexuality. And as you rightly clarified, what does that mean? It means our creation as male and female in the image and likeness of God. John Paul II says this, he says, purity is the glory of the human body before God. And then he says, it's even more, it is God's glory 
in the human body. It is God's glory manifested through masculinity and femininity. And he says, we, as we journey, as we follow Christ and we allow those purifications to happen from that base, distorted idea of, of human sexuality to this sacred theology of the body, we come, John Paul II says, we come to experience the gratuitous beauty of the human body in its masculinity and femininity. Love that expression. Gratuitous beauty. God did not need to be so gratuitous in the way he designed us, but he designed us in his image, and he is beauty. So our bodies are going to reveal that beauty. Uh, the tragedy of sin has come into the world, and so our bodies also end in death. They return to dust. That's not so beautiful. But even here, the beauty of our faith demonstrates that God loved us in that place, takes on the body, takes on even the ugliness of the body. It says that Jesus on the cross was so deformed that there was nothing to attract us to him, that he took on that deformation of the body in order to lead all of that to a transformation of the body. A defiguration of the body in Jesus leads us to this transfiguration of the body in Jesus. And that alone can allow us even to embrace, rightly, we speak of the ugliness of death, but even there, it can become beautiful. The ugly can become beautiful. This is our faith. This is our journey. This is the redemption of the body that we were speaking about earlier. Our next question is from Wu. Hi, Wu. Wu says, does sickness in the body relate to anything spiritually? Ah, well, that ties right into what we were just talking about. Yeah. Right? We were talking about how sin comes into the world, and with it, death is introduced, disease is introduced. So right there, you, just to, you know, s sin is a spiritual reality, death and it's disease physical are physical, reality, right? bodily so things. There's, so there's, there's obviously, a, obviously a connection. connection. We have to be—we're on safe ground to recognize the general connection. Mm -hmm. We get on shaky ground— when we start, and Jesus himself points this out in the gospel, uh, we get on shaky ground when we start thinking, well, you have this physical malady because of this sin. Right. Right. We, we don't know that. We can't go there. We can say all suffering and death and disease can be traced back to the entrance of sin into the human story. Uh, we cannot say, remember the scene in the gospel, well, why is he born blind? He was born blind because of this sin, or he was born blind because of his parents' sin. And Jesus says, no, you cannot say that. He was born blind, and then here's the glory. You want to share it? That the glory of God might be revealed that through him. That the glory him. of God might be revealed through him. Yeah, well, isn't that an awesome connection of something spiritual, yes. the glory of God with our suffering or with sickness? Um I think also sickness can be a spiritual opportunity yes. because um, it, it it causes us to experience our need or our weakness, which is a, a gift to us so that we can recognize our need for God. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that positive, like just how God uses it for good in our lives. Um, I don't know if there are any other things you want well, to add. Well, this just came to me as you said that. I think this is 
very uh, appropriate to make this connection that physical suffering, physical illness, disease, even death itself can be seen as a remedy for our spiritual sickness because it can wake us up to who we really are and our real need and mm. dependence on the Lord. Mm -hmm. If we could look at it as such, and, and we're not saying we should not therefore seek remedy to our physical sickness. We're not saying that. But we should, in all of our trials, in all of our, and sickness is a big one. Mm -hmm. Death is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. In all of that, we should be looking for what the Lord is saying to us, why he's allowing it, and how that can work for the good, as you were saying. Because all things work for the good for those who love the Lord. Mm. That is that is hope. Um, you know, Wendy, very well that I've been wrestling lately with aging uh, because we're aging. When we were always aging, but you can <laughs> we kind of... were always aging. <laughs> I like that point. Yeah, but it's you can true. kind of ignore it when you're in your twenties because it doesn't really have much of an effect. But when you're you know you're, you're hitting your fifties, um, you you kind of start recognizing it a lot more. And I, it's been a. a, a constant source of reflection for me and has been also an opportunity for deep growth for me, a, a much deeper trust in the Lord's plan that this way that we're on, this, this long and winding road towards death um, is the road to glory. It's the road to glory. That's pretty exciting. I hate to correct my one of my favorite singers, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, but the glory days are not behind us. Right? <laughs> glory days, well, they'll pass you by. Glory days in the wink of a young girl's eye. See, that's all looking backwards. No, 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 no. <laughs> glory days, they'll be here by and by. Glory days, don't be afraid to die. Glory days, they're on the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's that we got to see. We got to rewrite the songs, okay, I so like that, that they proclaim the truth. It's all coming together. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that's all we have for this episode. We do want to let you know that we have an online version of the Theology of the Body Level One course. Thousands of people from around the world have traveled to Pennsylvania to take this course live over the years. But we are now offering it online. You can take it from the comfort of your own home. You can pause the videos to reflect and pray. Uh, it's been a marvelous experience for those who have already taken it online. From July 6th to the 17th, uh, you can learn more by clicking the link in the show notes. Please consider it. We'd love to have you. It's life-changing. You will not regret it. Till next episode, everybody. Know that we love you dearly. Keep the questions coming. If you want to support us at our patron link, please click that link. It helps us tremendously. I know that you are a gift to us. May you know deep in your heart that you are an unrepeatable gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.